This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 48, The Future is Now. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for downloading and tuning in this week. So glad to have you as a listener, and thank you for continuing to spread the word about Shifting Our Schools. Every episode is getting more downloads. It's so fun to kind of watch the stats. We're getting more subscribers, and I know that is a large part due to you spreading the word and talking about the podcast. Such a beautiful day here in Seattle. I know for some reason I always like to talk about the weather. I'm a big weather guy, Uh, but we're going to have a high of 70 today. It's supposed to be the hottest day in Seattle yet this year. It is gorgeous out, uh, so I'm hoping to get this podcast done and going to spend some time on my deck, maybe do some writing and send some emails from outside today. That's going to be great. Um, To help us to continue to grow, if I could ask you to please help us by leaving a review in iTunes. The way that podcasts work is it's all about getting reviews. And the more reviews you have, the more you show up in search results and other places actually feed off iTunes. So if you have an iTunes account, could you do us a huge favor and head over to iTunes and leave a review for the Shifting Our Schools podcast? It would mean so much to us and allow us to continue to spread our message here at Shifting Our Schools. I'm also really excited to announce that we have our second podcast, Eddie Duro Learning. I'm so excited. Kim Cafino's podcast, get ready for it, The Shift Key. You see a theme here, huh? Shifting our schools and now The Shift Key is now live in all places that you can find podcasts. So whatever player you're in, if you just do a uh, search in that player for The Shift Key, hopefully you'll find... uh, Kim's new podcast. Kim actually gets together with a bunch of international educators. So these are educators who teach at international schools around the world, very global perspective. And they're starting to even bring in their kids. So you're getting to hear from students of all ages, uh, talk with teachers as well about what is their learning looking like. Just a great, great uh, podcast that we're very excited to launch as well. There's only one episode up, so you're getting in at the very beginning. And uh, Kim's going to be posting one of those about once a month, uh, not quite as regularly as the Shifting Our Schools as we get it started and ramped up. But uh, look for that in your podcast player, the Shift Key Podcast. It's great. Um, also, we're building a new website with that over at Duro Learning as we move this over to the Duro Learning Podcast Network that we're starting to build. You can find that at ELPN, that's Eduro Learning Podcast Network, ELPN.EduroLearning.com. And Chrissy Hellyer has made a beautiful site over there where you can find uh, all the show notes and everything as well. On that note, Google just had a new uh, release out. I read this the other day. This is like the coolest thing ever. If you're on an Android phone, you can now listen to podcasts just by asking Google to play them for you. So they've built it into the search results into the phone. And I have a Pixel 2. I'm a big Android user. I love my Android phone. I love this phone. I love the Pixel 2 XL. I mean, I love the camera. We buy cameras now, not phones. Have you thought about that change? Like all these things do the same. This little device, every device does exactly the same thing. The biggest upgrade that we see from device to device is the camera. We no longer buy phones. We buy cameras. I buy the best camera that happens to be a phone. 
And that's a switch. And if you even see the marketing behind these phones today, it's all about the camera. We no longer buy cell phones. We buy cameras that happen to have a phone on them. But my Pixel 2 XL here, I have this. And I just want to show you how this works. We're going to try this in real time. Okay, Google. Play the Shifting Our Schools podcast. Sure. Resuming Shifting Our Schools Education, Technology, Leadership, Episode 47. Are we killing wonderment? Your host, Jeff Uden. And it just starts playing. How cool is that? So you can do it with any any podcast. Uh, any podcast can be found that way. I'm not sure if it has to be in the Google Music Store or if it can just be a podcast anywhere. I'm not sure where it's playing it from. But if you have an Android phone, check that out. See if you can just talk to your phone and ask it to play the latest episode of whatever podcast uh, you have. I think that's kind of cool. And you know, Google continues to build this stuff in. I did this sitting next to my Google Home, and the Google Home actually started playing it as well. So you can just now talk out loud to your house uh, and have it play uh, your favorite podcast. So I think that's kind of cool. So just a little update there. If you happen to have an Android phone, I'm, I don't know if it works on Apple. I'm not sure. I'm not an Apple user, our iPhone user, but if it does, please let me know. Um, I just, the update that I read showed that it was definitely an Android thing. Um, so I gave it a try yesterday and it was pretty sweet. So that's just a new feature that's coming out. I thought that was kind of cool to share. Um, I also wanted to talk about, and I mentioned this in the last episode, but I wanted to talk about the conference we have coming up that I'm super excited about. Uh, I kind of just went over it real briefly last episode, but it's actually the name of this podcast episode, and that is the Future is Now conference. And the Future is Now is the idea that we have behind the conference is to bring the business world to the education world. And just to give you some insight on how Eduro Learning works, Kim and I were both at the Learning 2 conference in Shanghai, China, and Kim had had a conversation with another teacher and comes running in. We're both giving sessions, and before the session starts, Kim comes running into the room that I'm, that I'm presenting in, and she says, okay, I need to pitch something to you. And I'm like, uh-oh, here we go, another Kim pitch. And Kim sits me down, and she pitches this idea of a conference of what if we could get business leaders to come and talk with educators about the skills and dispositions that are needed in the workplace. And we could even make it around a STEM or STEAM theme. We could bring in a science and technology and math and just have people from the real quote unquote, real world, come and spend a day with educators. Of course, uh, I was sold on the idea and thinking, how cool would that be to happen? And it just so happens that living in Seattle, Seattle is like, you know, a tech hub now here in the US and globally, that we have access to a lot of people. And I've got friends who work at different startups around here. And we've got, uh, you know, some business people that we can get into and some school districts are going to help us out and getting people in from the business world. And so the whole idea is, is to bring in people from the business world, to have them help us in education, talk about the skills and dispositions needed today. What does work look like now and into the future, which is why we're calling it the future is now. And I am so excited about this day for a couple reasons. One, if you haven't ever been to the venues where we like to hold conferences, you're in for a treat. We are holding this conference down here on the pier in downtown Seattle. It is the most stunning views that you've seen. It sits out over the water, right where the ferry comes in. The rooms that we have booked are all glass looking outside. It is 
one of the most creative spaces. You cannot help to be in these rooms and feel energized and creative. And seeing that this is done at the end of the school year, this the conference is June 27th, we wanted a place that felt free, that allowed teachers to be creative. And that's why we love the Bell Harbor Conference Center. It is very expensive, uh, but it is totally worth it. It's not some hotel conference center where it's low ceilings and neon lights. We are talking uh, just a beautiful, beautiful venue and beautiful food. Lunch is provided. Snacks are provided. We provide parking, uh, which here in Seattle is a big thing. So if you do drive in or if you fly in and rent a car into downtown Seattle, uh, know that uh, parking is included for the day. But other than that, we are really homing in on finding people. So we actually have a couple of the people that have already lined up is we've had Juno Therapeutics, who they are a uh, startup here. They just actually got bought by a larger pharmaceutical company, but they are curing cancer. And the incredible steps that they are taking in the science and technology behind curing cancer is incredible to me. And to be able to spend a day with a physician whose life journey is to help everyone who has this specific type of cancer to become cancer-free to me is incredible. It's an honor to spend time with them. We also are getting from Juno Therapeutics, one of their statisticians. So we are going to get to sit down and talk about what are the true math skills that are needed and how do we apply those math skills in the real workplace? You know, I read a stat the other day that 90, whatever it was, I don't remember the exact uh, statistic, but it's something like 95 or 96% of us only use about a sixth grade uh, math skills. We can do everything in our life by having math skills at a sixth grade level. And that's really cool. And how you use that, and I'm really interested to talk to somebody who's working in the industry of math to say, is that right? Or how much of your day did you need trigonometry, algebra two? What are really the skills that are needed? And is it more about memorizing all of the multiplication tables? Do I need to memorize all of the formulas or is it knowing how to apply it? I can probably guess what the answer is, but I want to know from, and I'm so excited and I hope that you can join us uh, for this. It's going to be just one day downtown Seattle, June 27th. If you want to find more, the website is up. Registration is open. You can find all the details that you need. If you go to uh, sospodcast.org slash T-F-I-N. That's the future is now. So sospodcast.org slash T-F-I-N. Or if you just go to sospodcast.org, you'll see the link at the top. And if you could help us by spreading the message, um, in your schools, at uh, across your PLN that we're putting this conference on. It's going to be, I think, a really good day of learning. It's not going to be big. Uh, we are competing with ISTE, and we knew that when we chose the date. Uh, if you are going to ISTE, please enjoy ISTE. Have a great time um, at ISTE. But we wanted something smaller, something intimate. We are hoping to get around 100 people um, and just keep this very small. Even if we hit 50 people, I would love if we could get 50 people to come together and spend a day trying to figure out where the future goes. The future is now. We are living in this time period where kids have devices, where teachers have devices, we're all connected. We need to figure out what 
is the next step. And that's what this day is going to be. It's going to be very conversation-based. We're not talking about sessions. Uh, We're not talking about you jumping from session to session, one hour to one hour. We're talking like deep learning, deep understanding of changes happening in our world in our workplaces, and what does that mean for us as educators? If that sounds interesting to you, please join us. Uh, again, you can go to sospodcast.org slash TFIN to find all of those details. Um, the last thing I kind of want to talk about is going to lead to our challenge this week. And it's something that's been rolling around in my head as uh, my wife has started a new business because that's what we needed in our lives is a new business, but my uh, wife has started a new real estate business called G3 Homes. And you can find uh, the website if you're really interested is g3-homes.com. And you can see some of the houses there that she's already done. Uh, But what she likes to do is buy old houses, fix them up and sell them. So like flipping a house. If you ever watch HGTV, this is what happens when you watch HGTV for too many years, you decide to start a company and do it yourself. And so last weekend, I spent all day Saturday and Sunday, or we spent all day Saturday, Sunday up uh, working on this house about about an hour north of Seattle. And on Saturday, um, my wife and I gutted the kitchen in the morning. And then her and my sister-in-law and brother-in-law who were helping us out and part of the company as well, uh, my sister-in-law and my wife went into the the bathroom and started taking down all the tile while my brother-in-law and I took out a wall between the kitchen and the dining room and put in a header and got it all uh, ready to be framed in. And then on Sunday, I drew the short straw and had to put on a hazmat suit. I had to put on a respirator, I had goggles on. I was like complete white mummy. Uh, and I got the short straw to crawl into the crawl space underneath the house and clean out all the old insulation and vapor barrier, which is just plastic. Uh, that took me like three or four hours. I was sweating like crazy. I couldn't see. I had this respirator on. My goggles kept fogging up. I had a, it was just a nightmare, but it was physical work. And there is something about doing physical work that is really interesting to me. There is something about the feeling you get when you create something. And even in just these two days, taking out a wall, putting in a header and seeing the transformation of this old house, it has me thinking about three things. And so here are three things I woke up Monday thinking about. Where did I learn how to do this? Why is manual labor so much fun and rewarding? And why did I sleep so well? So I wanted to kind of break those down today because I think it just, you know, everything I'm, everything comes back to education in some way. And I was just thinking about, first of all, where did I learn how to do this? Where did I learn how to take down a wall and put in a header? And a big part of it is watching HGTV. A big part of it is how many hours I've spent on YouTube. I'm not a contractor. I did have some background skills. I was raised on a farm where we were constantly making stuff. We're constantly equipment was breaking. And so we're constantly fixing a break uh, equipment. I learned to weld on the farm. Uh, You know, we had some skills coming out of childhood for sure. But the crazy part is we can learn anything the moment we want to know it. And that hit me again this last weekend is 
we're in the middle of doing this dem- demolition work. And every time we had a question, somebody just pulled out a phone and watched a couple YouTube videos. And then we went at it. And that's the world our kids are growing up in. And we can do this any moment. You know, when you have kids just sitting in school all day and the research around how much kids sit today. And here I'm thinking, we're actually doing stuff. And we didn't have all the answers. We didn't know if the, if the wall was load bearing until we did our research to find out that it was, and we'd have to put in a header. And I just think there's, there's something there about where we learn to do stuff now. And less and less of it is going to be in a formal classroom setting. And what does that mean? What do our classrooms need to become? The second thing that, uh, second question there was, why is manual labor so much fun? And you might not like doing manual labor, but always when I get down to it, people, there's something about people physically doing something. It could be gardening, right? I know people who love to garden and they love just being outside and they're in their garden and they find it calming. I find doing this construction work, like it gets me off the computer. It gets me somewhere else. I love doing manual labor. And what I find is most people have some type of passion that is around manual labor. We also know that statistics show us that some of the most rewarding jobs or people who feel the most fulfilled in their jobs are construction workers and people who do manual labor. And a big part of that, the research shows, is because you get to see your progress. It's one of the things my wife and I talk about this quite a bit. And, you know, my wife being a school counselor is sometimes the work that she puts in working with students, you don't get to quote unquote see it or you don't get to see it for a long period of time. And there is a stick with itness there that you have to go through. And when you're doing manual labor, when you're building something, or you are, whether it's, you know, building uh, flower beds, or taking care of your lawn, or you're knitting, or you're, you know, building the deck on my house, or redoing this uh, this house north of here, there is something rewarding about doing manual labor. There's something about seeing it, to see in front of your eyes the changes that are happening. And you just, you get to stand back in the moment and say, I did that, or I helped create that, or I was a part of creating that. And there's something in that. And I'm not sure what it is, but there's something there. And then the last question, why did I sleep so well? Goes back to doing the manual labor. I was so exhausted Saturday and Sunday night. I have not slept that well you know, I work hard. I sit here on my computer like many people do. Or if you're a teacher, you know, you are up around the classroom and you're in your computer, but there's not, there's no that manual labor. I'm walking around, I'm typing, I'm not doing a whole lot, man. Manual labor wears you out. And that had me thinking, you know, I slept so well because I was so tired. And we know that students don't move a lot today. And I'm wondering, unless you are in sports or your kid is, you know, actually runs around outside for hours at a time, which I can't find kids that do on their own anymore. I think there is something to getting us up and moving. So that's going to lead me. Those three ideas are going to lead me to our challenges this week and some challenges that I have for you to just think about in your own classroom with your own students. Challenge number one. 
that I would like you to kind of think about here is find a way to have your students make something physical, not make something like a letter or make something like writing an essay or doing, I mean, make something physical, get some popsicle sticks, get some toothpicks. I used to have big bags of packing peanuts in my classroom, big garbage bags of packing peanuts and toothpicks, cheap as cheap can be. And we could make stuff. You can get, you know, whatever it is, wherever you are, tie it somehow to your curriculum. Can you have kids build a tower? Can they build a bridge? Maybe you're doing the Oregon Trail, and so you're going to have kids to build a wagon that would last on the Oregon Trail out of popsicle sticks. I mean, I don't know what that physical thing is, but what if you were to unleash control and just tell students, make something There is something about making things by seeing physical changes in front of us. There's all these problem-solving skills when it doesn't work. There's all this idea of do you plan first or do you just dive in? How much research do you need to know? Can you learn what you need to know the moment you need to know it? Because we do have access. So my challenge is, can you find something this week in one of your classes where kids just make something, just surprise them? Have them walk into class and say, today class, we're going to make whatever it is. Find some supplies around the school, bring some supplies from home, whatever it happens to be, and have kids make something. That's my challenge. Have your students make something. If you do do this challenge, I'd love for you to take a picture of it and hashtag SOS podcast on Twitter or send it to me or leave a comment uh, or go over to our question flip grid at sospodcast.org slash questions and leave us something there. I'd love to see if what your kids made and then maybe debrief it of did they like the process? What is it about making stuff that is so much fun? My second challenge to you this week is find a way to bring movement into your classroom. We know kids sit a ton, especially middle school, high school kids. They sit a lot. Uh, Seattle Public Schools here in Seattle, teachers went on strike a few years back, and one of the things they were asking for was a guaranteed 20-minute recess for elementary students. 20 minutes! Guaranteed 20 minutes! When I was in elementary school... We had a half hour just at lunch, plus a 15-minute morning and a 10-minute afternoon. That's not counting before school or after school. And teachers now have to strike for 20 minutes. We need to think about having kids move. And if you have rambunctious kids in your classroom, it could be a movement issue. I I was thinking about this when I woke up on Monday, and it's been kind of, you know, playing around in my head. That I was student teaching when we moved back here to Seattle. I student taught for a couple years at my wife's school. And I taught this fifth grade class. And I went in and I was was subbing, I was a substitute, went into this fifth grade class. And there were two boys that just could not sit still. I actually had one kid, uh, one of the boys was standing. I just said, you know, can you stand? Just stand. You don't need to sit. You can't sit. Can't sit still. Stand at the back of the, you know, made a standing desk. There was a, I don't know, a, a, a bookshelf that was about the perfect height. I just had the kid stand. And all of a sudden, calmed him down. I had another kid just could not, could not keep him under control. Of course, being a substitute, kids aren't the best anyway. But this kid was just like, just fireball. So at one point, it was about, I don't know, one o'clock in the afternoon. I told him, I said, I just happened to be where the classroom was. I could see the track. And I told him, I said, you know what? Why don't you go run a lap? 
And the kid's like, seriously? And I'm like, yeah, go. I'm going to stand here in the doorway and I want you to run as fast as you can, run a lap around the track. And so the kid took off. And of course, some other kids wanted to go as well. But I said, no, we're just going to let him go. And he went out and he ran a lap and then he came back and he's out of breath. And I was like, how are you feeling? He's like, I feel good. And I'm like, all right, well, let's set back down. I didn't have a problem with him the rest of the day. How crazy is that? The kid just needed to run a lap. Kids got kids full of energy. And, you know, as I was thinking about this, about being so tired after doing manual labor and actually getting out of the house and working on something and using my body and my muscles and I'm just thinking, how often do kids not move? And so my challenge to you is find a way to get kids to move in your classroom. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how you do that. I don't know your classroom. I don't know how you can do it. But I think even for, you know, we think a lot with elementary kids, but for middle school and high school kids, they got to move too. And how do we bring movement into our classroom where we get kids moving a little bit? And how much will it help them focus if we get some blood flowing and get some movement? So my two challenges, have your kid make something, whatever that is, and find a way to bring some movement, especially this time of year as the weather's starting to change and it gets nice. How do we get movement in and get kids active? We know it activates the brain and hopefully it'll help them sleep better at night as well. So those are my two challenges to you this week. Thank you again, as always, for listening. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with some interviews. I've got a bunch of interviews lined up the next couple weeks. And then we've also got some other ideas floating around in my head of how to get you even more involved. And I want to hear your voices. There are so many of you out there doing amazing things in your classroom. And I'm so excited to continue to learn from you. Thanks again, as always, for uh, tuning in to Shifting Our Schools. And until next time, we'll see you on the network. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.